Welcome to another great edition of Talking Tigs and to 2023 edition of Talking Tigs. I'm Scott Gerard. Joining me as always, Tommy Johnson, Daniel Zollinger. Uh, what a great way to start off 2023 than uh, none other than a uh, amazing win by LSU in the Citrus Bowl, beating Purdue 63-7, to uh, which actually tied them for the largest, I think, college football bowl win. Uh, at least in the major division. So congrats to to them, all the Tigers. Um, we got that. We have all the other bowl games to talk about, including the playoffs. Uh, the final's now set. We're going to see Georgia and TCU. Uh, I don't know. I think that, that could be a good one. Uh, I mean, Georgia and Ohio State was. I, I don't even know how that was supposed to be like that, but it was a, a great game. Uh, you know, there's some other teams in Louisiana that did well also. Uh, we could probably talk about that. And uh, wouldn't you know it, LSU basketball had some good news we're going to share with you folks as well. Before we do, want to check in with the co-hosts, see how their New Year's went. Uh, obviously, the the game was a nice surprise and a good way to kick off uh, 2023. But um, I don't know if you guys had a, had a good New Year's. Good to start it off with you again this year. Yeah, good to be with you. You know, New Year, new me. Um so uh other than that everything's everything's the same um excited to be excited to be citrus bowl champion or to, well cheese it bowl champion citrus bowl champion uh lsu tigers uh you know i daniel uh, you, you know you were talking about getting excited about the uh about the lsu basketball game today playing in kentucky and like even though i'm kind of like i'm sad obviously the lsu football's done I was, I've been kind of ever since that, uh, ever since the bowl game ended, I've been like, man, okay, like let's get into some college basketball. I'm ready to uh, start watching LSU, you know, pretty more heavily and, and kind of get into the to the swing of things. And then what do you know? Um, the the day after the bowl game, uh, LSU's got probably one of their biggest uh, basketball games of the of the year so far, and they're like you said, Scott, top of the division. So um, kind of a good time for for. LSU fans to be shifting focus to uh, a little bit of hoops and uh, just another great time to be on this podcast. Yeah, it's it's only been not even three full days of 2023 and it's been an eventful year so far. Uh, Tommy and I were actually together over the New Year's. We watched the the playoff games together, which was fun. Yep. Uh, both very exciting games with Georgia literally ringing in the new year with a win. <laughs> and then I uh, kind of on a, a last second whim ended up going to the LSU bowl game in Orlando, which was very exciting. It was actually my first ever bowl game and first ever LSU away game, which is kind of surprising. Wait, really? Wow. Uh, I'd never been to one. And I guess it's te- technically not really a true away game considering it wasn't at Purdue, but not a home um, game though. Yeah. We were on the road and uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun. It, it was hot, uh, like 80 something degrees and the sun was on us, but uh, we we made it through, and obviously it was fun watching the Tigers basically score at will, and the, the LSU fans were, were cheering them on. The, Purdue actually had a pretty good contingent of people come down. Uh, I felt kind of bad for them going across the country to get see their team get whooped so badly, but I think uh, we all had fun, and we saw a lot of Cheez-Its. Uh, there were <laughs> Cheez-It ads left, right, and center. There was a uh, I'm sure they showed it on TV. The the big cheese it yeah. guy with the sunglasses. That was kind of my favorite part of the whole game. He was all over like at every like half like commercial. He was like doing some antics, like dancing with people. Um, Did you see so, when, when LSU uh, when like the defense forget what play they made? They made a great defensive play, 
And then they went and celebrated with the Cheez-It man. <laughs> I think yeah, it was no, after but... Greg Brooks's interception. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, go cheese, go cheese. <laughs> he was doing, <laughs> doing his dance. The Cheez-It started twerking at one point. I don't know if they showed that. Oh, that's pretty. That, that's great. I like that. I, I wish that they would have <laughs> showed it, but they did. At least I did not see it. But yeah, and then the basketball is fun too. We got to wrap this one up uh, before that game starts in a little bit. But yeah, excited to break it all down with y'all today. Uh, amen. Let, let's let's get down to it. Um, I don't know. As far as the the game itself, um, I I was only man. I, I it was what twenty eight to nothing. I think when I first started watching, so I, I feel like I had missed a little bit, but not really, because uh, you know it's it's kind of exciting to see the team go up by that much. But at that point it was pretty much like that Oklahoma game, right? I was like, ah, oh, this isn't even a contest. Uh, and like you said, Daniel, I, I did feel, feel bad for them at some point. Cause I don't know. They were the runners up of the, the big 10, you know, I thought it would have been, I don't know, I guess slightly more competitive, right? Like none of us had 63, seven blowout. Uh, I think we had it like, I don't know. I think I said like 35 to some, some team, but they were without guys. Maybe that made more of a difference for them than it did for us because we were without guys too. But I, don't, I thought I thought Makai Wingle wasn't going to play, but then he did. Mm-hmm. And then Derek Davis game, was going to transfer, but then Derek Davis played in the ball game and kicked butt. So what did you say, Daniel? I said that Makai Wingo had a good game too. Yeah, he did. He did. And so, so did Derek Davis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I'm like, well, I know one's going to the NFL, but maybe Derek Davis stays. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, no, another topic for, for down the road. Uh, great win for the Tigers. Uh, as far as what I'd said last pod, uh, I am completely <laughs> filled with confidence going to the next season after looking at this bowl win because it, it wasn't even close. We didn't mess around. I thought it was interesting, though, that it seemed like we were messing around because we went to a two-quarterback system pretty early on in the game. And that was, I don't know, that was interesting. Uh, Brian Kelly said something about his, his quarterback situation heading into next year about who's one and, you know, most likely two and beyond that. But, like, he, he played three guys. He probably would have played, well, four, technically, if you count Malik Neighbors. But, um, you know, it's, he, he played everybody, uh, which I th- that's what I thought was cool. Um, LSU obviously had the superior team, superior talent, whatever, um and it was just everyone getting in on the fun right everyone split around even frank wilson's son played it you know it's like there's there had to be a rudy moment on the sidelines right like coach come on it's 49 to to nothing (laughs) hey frank you got a kid playing on the team put him in put him (laughs) in come on so i thought it was great that a lot of people got to contribute and they like they did stuff with their opportunity looks great for next year uh you know depending assuming everyone stays but uh you know, we didn't have jo- or we didn't have uh, Keishon Butte. No Butte, no problem. I mean, Malik Neighbors showed himself out to be like a superstar. Uh, looking forward to next season. He had, I don't know, it was like probably the best game he's had, right? So yeah, and he and he uh, took that took that opportunity and, and got over a thousand or completed a thousand yard season after the bowl. Oh, game. that's so. awesome. So yeah, uh, I don't know what, what what say you, Tommy. How do you how do you feel good? How do you feel after this bowl game? Obviously, pretty good, but I don't know. Um, I, did it give you a little bit more of a confidence nudge heading in head, heading into the off season? Oh, um, I, I mean, I guess. I, gosh, to me, it felt like I, to be honest, I felt like I was just watching the spring game. Like yeah. the amount of rotation, the 
you know, every other, um, every other drive, a new quarterback coming in, um, we pretty much could do whatever we wanted. Uh, I mean, gosh, our, our defense had so much pressure on the, uh, on the quarterback. I mean, that poor, that poor quarterback was totally lost when he threw that last interception that, um, uh, was it Bernard Converse got, um, yeah, I think it was him. Um, I mean, he just, he, you could see he was just totally defeated. Um, it was a great, great win for LSU. Um, very, very good for, you know, kind of capping off, uh, the, a, a great season for num- uh, year one of Brian Kelly, you know, it's the 10 wins. It's, um, a, a positive note after kind of two negative losses. Um, and, um, you know, it, it's a lot of, uh, a, a kind of like what we previewed. There's a lot of opportunities for guys who hadn't played as much to get in and show off what they can do, which we saw a lot of great things. Um, again, I think the competition showed that it was not, um, the most, uh, competitive, you know, Purdue team in the nation, but uh, I mean, it's pretty awesome to watch. It was fun to watch, <laughs> you know, like you could, you could, you did not have to worry at all. Um, just a solid win. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That they, they were out there, they were having fun in the words of Bo Nix, yep. but uh, the, the scoring could not be stopped. Purdue was just kind of outmatched in every phase of the game. Obviously, it hurts for them missing their starting quarterback and their best player, their star wide receiver. But I think even with those guys, LSU probably still rolls. I, I had predicted the game to be a little bit closer. I said LSU was only going to win by like 10 points. I'm glad that's not the case. And I think the, the biggest takeaway is that we avoided the late season kind of slump where we had lost two in a row. And this was kind of oh the meaningless cheese it bowl after the SEC championship. Um, we're not going to go out there and try it all. And that, that could have easily happened. And we've seen that happen in the past, getting stomped last year. But thankfully, uh, Brian Kelly found a way to, to motivate his guys, get production across the board, and just go out and get a statement win that you can really build off going into the spring training and, and summer next year. So uh, it's really a morale booster, I think, and something that he can demonstrate to recruits as well as the current players um, and the guys who are staying uh, on for, for next year. But yeah, the the offense was just crazy. Like at one point, my girlfriend went to go get snacks. And when she came back, I was like, uh, we scored three more times. And she was only <laughs> gone for like 10 minutes. Uh, what? Um, but yeah, yeah, we're, we were out there. We were doing well. And yeah, uh, just ready for, for next year to see what Brian, King, Brian Kelly can do in year two. Uh, 10 wins, obviously exceeding expectations. Um, four losses is, is not bad, especially when one of them came to a team that's in the national championship and one of them came to a team that won the Orange Bowl and a third was against Florida State who won the, the other Cheez-It Bowl. Um, the only real kind of like miss of a loss was against uh, A&M. So uh, we can clean that up and we're definitely one of the contenders up there for next season. So I think a, a positive vibe across the board for LSU football and the athletics program as a whole. Absolutely. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, you could just see like that whole game, man, there was just some, some swagger there, kind of like, kind of like what you saw, you know, a little bit in 2019. And, you know, we, we talked about it before, like what it looked the year before 2019, kind of similar, uh, you know, LSU was a pretty decent team, obviously had some losses, uh, worked through those and just 
built for the next season. Some guys stayed around, you know, like some of the defensive linemen, which kind of helped us that year. So it's like some of the guys are staying around now. Like we're, we would bring that back, I think, most of the offense, right? Uh, I know Keishon Butte is leaving, but I don't know. Malik Neighbors had the way better season. Oh, yeah. Coming back. Uh, Mason Taylor, he's coming back. Like he's, we got all these freshmen that that produced, and I, I think that's that's probably one of the biggest keys is like the the depth that we were able to start building on at this bowl game. My my boy Landon Nibieta had had some catches. Like nine different guys caught passes, which is great. Some I'd never even like Javen Nicholas hadn't. I don't think we've said his name once on the pod. Congrats to, to him. Uh, like I said earlier, you know, uh, Claude Wilson had a 99-yard interception return for a touchdown, which was awesome. Uh, DBU had three total, uh, which was which was great. Uh, but yeah, man, just a lot of guys got in, which is – I don't know if that's BK's thing. Like, if that's what he used to do at Notre Dame, it's like, yeah, we're up by a lot. Just play whoever. You know, we're not, we're not burning your red shirts with some of these guys, so just put them in. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's like I, – I, I think that's great. Get yeah. some guys in there, see how they can do in a situation, and then you know, <clears throat> give them something to look forward to for next year. We uh, got to see some some action from Walker Howard. True. Yeah, I th- <laughs> I think he had like an even equal stat line with Millie Neighbors. So I, I think next year they're going to be three three A and three B heading into the <laughs> fall camp because uh, Brian Kelly says he expects to have him, Nuss and uh, uh, Daniels you know, all back in, in, you know, in that reverse order. Uh, so well, I don't know, nothing, nothing but good things looking forward. Uh, I'd say same with the defense too. On that topic, what do we think about Brian Kelly using both Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer in the game? Obviously Daniels got the start and I think he was in for the first like three drives. Mm-hmm. And then Nussmeyer came out kind of unexpectedly to me. I was like, well, hold on, Garrett Nussmeyer's in the game. Yeah. And and then I think Nussmeyer had the drive and then they basically alternated until the fourth quarter when Walker Howard came in. So that was an interesting strategy. I don't know if I mean, obviously both were very effective in this game, both through the air and then especially Jaden Daniels on the ground. And so is Brian Kelly trying to give Nussmeyer a little bit of leash to to keep him at LSU saying like you'll get some playing time like don't transfer away because there have been some rumors that he was looking at TCU and other schools or is he just still kind of trying to evaluate who's the best quarterback going for going forward because Jaden Daniels kind of ran the show this year but Nussmeyer did flash in his limited opportunities well you know Brian Kelly said after the game um that that Jaden Daniels is still clearly the the number one quarterback going into next year um, I, I kind of, I don't know, as I was watching it, I kind of read this as I, I, I wonder if they're giving Nussmeyer a, a, a stage to kind of, you know, show off. Um, it seems like Kelly has been pretty, um, uh, I mean, not that you want to, not that you want to push somebody out or, or tell them like, oh yeah, like go, go transfer. But it seems like he's been, you know, pretty, uh, reasonable as far as like letting his players kind of do what's best for them so i do wonder if maybe there's part of it part of letting nussmeyer play you know when the game we're up by however many touchdowns um and the you know produce clearly not coming back put him in let him see what he can do and, and then that he put a lot of tape on film um to be able to talk to a tcu or another school uh if he if he if that's what he chooses to do i i, I just don't see how he can how he stays 
because I don't know. It, it seems like it just seems like uh, there's gonna there's just not gonna be enough uh, enough room to to hold everybody. Yeah, I see what you mean. I guess it's like if there's no like absolute guarantee that he gets to play either next year or the year after Jaden Daniels, then they're basically telling him like your career is like being wasted here in some sense at LSU. Like, because if you're a pro, if your goal is the pros, then you got to at least have to do something season as the starter. Right. And unless he's totally bought in on like the Mac Jones model, which we've talked about multiple times, uh, you know, other than that, and if, and, and if we, who knows if we can pull that off, you know, he's like, is he, is because then if you talk about Nussmeyer staying, um, staying, you know, basically being the backup next year and then staying and playing for for his, uh, what would be his senior year? Would that be his senior year? Yeah. For playing his senior year and that being his, like, his year to do it. Um, then you still have a, uh, a junior Walker Howard right behind him who, you know, is going to want playing time. Is he bought into? I don't know. Um, I, I just think it gets crowded real quick. And I think that for a, a guy like Garrett Nussmeyer, who clearly, I mean, like I would, I would assume his goal as a five-star quarterback recruit coming out of high school, his goal was to get to the NFL. His dad's a coach in the NFL. Um, he, he has to, he, he's got to play if he's good. If he, if that's his goal, he's got to play somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sure he's getting good advice from his dad. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like, you could see at many points in the season because I don't know just why it, it it seemed like it might have been close in the fall when it came down to him and, and Jaden Daniels. I, you know, I could see why Kelly would go with Jaden Daniels because he's just uh, he's he's such a threat with the run and just you know on, on improvisation. But Nuss is clearly the stronger thrower, the like the quicker decision maker. You get a little bit more risky with that, right? Like he he opens you up to some interceptions more than Jane Daniels would, but like he he'll push. He's not afraid to push the ball down the field. Like he he will chuck it seventy yards if he if he wants to. So I, I don't know. It's like that's why I feel like if he was if he really was that close last fall, what's to say he won't be even closer this fall? And I don't know. I just don't. I just don't think he was that close. I mean, yeah, we talked about it. Smoke. I, yeah, I mean, like, what about if if, if he was that close? Explain, or if, if he was that close, explain the uh, explain the the Southern game. Okay, man, maybe the explanation is well, everybody has bad games, but in all the times that he came in, with the exception of the Georgia game, um, he just didn't look that great. You know. Hmm. Yeah. No. No. I mean, okay. Uh, in, in the he looked very very good in the Citrus Bowl. Um, I will, I'll give him that. And, and that shows, and I think both all the examples of the end of the season, his performance shows a lot of great progression, which is exactly what you want to see. But that just does, that does not tell me that it was neck and neck. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, if he did leave then that would open things up for, for Walker Howard. Cause yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I feel like we're set hopefully with wide receivers, line running backs. I don't know. Um, that, that, I don't know. I think LSU has a good problem there. Well, one of these guys will probably leave, but maybe not. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, I mean as far as yeah, you're right, is line run, running backs definitely or line definitely, um, especially with this recruiting class coming in, running backs. Uh, I still, you know, still have a few questions as far as with John Emery. Um, you know, how is he going to be next year? Uh, Josh Williams, who was unavailable, you know, I think he's going to be our our number one guy next year. But um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, you can't be, you can't. I, it's hard not to be excited about what's good, what we have, the pieces we have moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and then you look at our defensive side. Some guys are leaving, but you know, I think enough guys. We have probably what we haven't had in years past is like some good depth there. Um, along the the defensive line, I know we're losing some some really good guys, but I, that's why I feel like the transfer portal transfer portal kind of helped us out there because we've got a lot of guys with experience. Some like most of them, three years. They're going to come in, hopefully, plug and play and. Hopefully we can also get some guys behind them to kind of solidify the position because mm-hmm. uh, depth is, is pretty key obviously in the SEC. Yeah. Um, but what do you think? Even, you know, I just noticed we <laughs> uh, Ramos had, you know, some, some extra point kicks. No one really, we didn't kick any field goals in the game, but we had plenty of extra points, but there were two other kickers that did also. That's what I'm saying. VK, he's like, just play everybody. What about this guy? Who is that? Uh, that's our third string kickers. Oh, we got a third string. Yeah, put him in. Let's see it. Uh, so I thought that was great. Because um, yeah. in all sense of purposes, these guys probably wouldn't ever kick. You know, they'll just be part of the glory and get the number and the letter and that's it. Yeah. It's now they can say they played in a bowl game. Um, but yeah, special teams remains to be seen. Although um, I think one of the guys who got in the transfer portal supposedly can return kicks, right? Um, Anderson? Aaron Anderson? Yeah. yeah. I hope okay. so. Because that's probably the only team and the only like phase of this team, phase of the game of this team that is like could really use some some help. Yeah. Kick yeah. return. Yeah. Um and like what, like punt coverage? Yeah. <laughs> we got we got a little bit better as the season went on when we basically realized like, all right, just don't even try to return it for most of the yeah. <laughs> situations. But yeah, we could we could shore that up for sure. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, there is there's like two teams worth of guys that that uh, recorded tackles in this game for us. So uh, good for them. Good for the team moving forward. Now, um, that was uh, a fun game to watch. Pretty easy game to watch. Very stress-free. But, like, it was great where I was. I was able to see the Cotton Bowl playing right next, like, on the screen next to it. Um, and there was only Louisiana people in the bar for all I I could tell. So it was, it was a good atmosphere. All the other bowl games, there were some some really good ones. Obviously, Georgia and Ohio State, right, came down to literally the last few seconds. Tulane, USC came down to the last few seconds. Um, uh, quick quick uh, roundabout, what was your favorite game besides the Citrus Bowl? Uh, well, oh, Daniel, you go ahead. Well, I was going to say. Biased. He's going to say the Cotton Bowl. Yeah as, yeah, as a Tulane alum, seeing the Green Wave take down USC was pretty epic. I wish I could have seen more of it, obviously, because I was at the LSU game, so I couldn't watch them both at the same time. I caught the last like five minutes of the Tulane game on the radio, which them scoring, I think it was 16 points in the last four minutes to to beat USC, like like an 80-yard touchdown. And then 
USC fumbling on the, the resulting kickoff to put the ball at the one and then the USC getting the safety to get the ball back and then driving down again uh, to score at the, the last second. Um, I think on ESPN that when they were down, they had like a 0.2% chance to win uh, and Lincoln Riley's defense found a way to, to give it up. Yeah. So it's a tough, tough end for him in his first season at USC, but uh I'm very happy about that. I assume it'll be the best season that they have basically in my lifetime uh, <laughs> since their last like season like that was in like the sixties or something, but um, yeah. And then, and then the, obviously the Georgia versus Ohio state game was pretty crazy too with Georgia uh, escaping in 2023 on a kick that started in 2022 and landed after the clock struck midnight. Yeah. Um, and that was a fun way to, to ring in the new year. I'm sure you were ex- really excited about that one, Scott. I, I was, although I was in a little bit of a bind because I, there was what 50, 50 something seconds left. And it was like 1148 or something I'm like, babe, don't worry. This, this game will be over before midnight. We can switch to <laughs> all drop or whatever. Yeah. And we didn't know it. Football always just seems to drag out those seconds until, like he said, the kick crossed right before. So we were able to switch over and, like, literally could see see it happening. But, yeah, I uh, couldn't go any more down to the wire than that. I thought it was great. Was I almost texted you guys at some point and said, man, I just, it just doesn't seem like this is Georgia's game, you know, because Ohio State was just doing what they wanted. And, and Georgia would try to come back, but they couldn't. You know, they were just – keep getting behind they were down what multiple they were down double digits probably like four different times yeah well ohio Ohio state was beating them at their own game on the line of scrimmage on both sides like dominating the run game controlling the clock which is what george is known for and then they finally got a handle on it like at the very end with stetson bennett throwing the ball but uh i guess it provides an interesting game against uh tcu's offense going to the national championship yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to talk about that one. Well, well, I guess we'd have to do it now because yeah. I'll play before we record next, or while we're recording next. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I I had a, a hunch that, you know what, Georgia, like these teams where they they win all their games. Not every game is dominant, right? Like uh, Georgia had that game against, I think, Missouri where, you know, they just barely got out of there. And there's other some of the games like – and we had those too in 2019, right? The Auburn game was just kind of – The oldest game. Through. Yeah, exactly. So I tried not to judge them because of that. I'm like, well, they're in the playoffs now. So it's it's a whole new ball game. But then you can see Ohio State just came out. They were That's the thing is Ohio State is never going to be scared in a bowl game playoffs otherwise. So whatever you think you see in the pre in the, in the regular season, it doesn't matter. Like, right. They, you know, they were kind of dominated by Michigan for at least the second part of that game. So you thought they would have been a, like a, almost a step down, but not at all. Um, Michigan's another story. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but yeah, Ohio state almost was going to take it from them, but and you could blame it on the kicker because obviously he missed the, 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 the winning kick, but I don't see how Ohio State, like if they were doing so well all game, and then all of a sudden they're just giving up big play. Like that one, like the the touchdown before the touchdown to go ahead, it was, the guy was just wide open. Oh, I know yeah. the DB fell, but still it was just like Georgia was not to be denied. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I could, the thing I kept thinking about watching that uh, Ohio State game is just, man, if they had Jordan Allen on the team, I think it would have been a different game. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're going to have to wait. You know, we have a Jordan Allen on LSU's team. There's a Jordan oh, really? Allen. Yeah. 
Not the same one, obviously. But yeah, yeah I mean, I, I can see it on Ryan Day's face. He's like, God, if I had a Jordan Allen right now, we could take <laughs> this punt back 67 yards. <laughs> he he was pumped up for that game though, right? Like you could see him on the sideline. He's like, Oh my god, we could do this. We could beat the number one team. And then he was absolutely deflated in that kick. I mean, the, the crazy thing is, like, what does this mean for, for Ryan Day in Ohio State? Um, you know, this is, this is the, what, the third time, third or fourth time that they've gone to the playoff and, and came and, and come to the playoff or the national championship and come up, come up short. Um, and this was probably their best chance uh, yeah. so far. Maybe, maybe you could say against Clemson. Um, in 2019 uh mm-hmm. but you have to think if they beat georgia it's pretty much theirs to to win that's um, what i was thinking so it would be like 2015 all over again where they upset bam and then they you know uh i was thinking that what was it the clemson game you mentioned yeah you could have blamed that one on a you know a one call yeah right you could same with the georgia game oh you could blame it on the kick I don't know how they could blame the kick on Ryan Day. So I feel like he he probably gets a pass as far as shortcomings, right? No, I, I'm just saying like it's kind of this is kind of a buildup. Sure. I mean, how, you know, how many how many chances do you need? Right. Well, not, that's, not, that's what I was going to say about your guy Harbaugh. Yeah. It, like, what did he first when he first took over the team? They beat Florida in I don't know some. I think it was the Citrus Bowl or something similar. But he hasn't won one since then. Yeah, they they just not they just did not look good. They they looked flat coming out of that game. Yeah, TCU had the energy the whole game. Mm -hmm. Michigan made it competitive at the end, but yeah, they just didn't have the the juice that they needed to take it over. And I'm happy for TCU. I hope they make it a good game against Georgia. I'd be a little bit sad if Georgia just kind of blows them out. If TCU's kind of used up all the magic, but yeah, I'm also happy the TCU kind of proved the haters wrong after they lost against Kansas state in the big 12 championship. And they didn't just kind of sneak in on a whim and they actually are a good team. So yeah, looking forward to the national championship. Um, Georgia's favored by like 13 points or something and probably rightly so they, they've been the best team all year, but uh, looking for, for a high offense matchup on both sides, which I think we're going to get, uh, which usually provides a, a pretty good game. So that's sad that there's only one more college football game, of the season, but uh, there's always next year. <laughs> can I just, can I just toot my own horn a little bit? Because I, I did bring up on the last podcast, the scenario that pretty much played out against uh, in the Michigan TCU game of TCU scoring and Michigan just has a hard time catching up. And I mean, what can I say? That's what you come to this podcast for. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That insight, the bold insight, right? Yeah. No one else was saying that. No, no one. No. None. You only get that no. here. Right. So looking forward, um, do you have any bold insight? I don't think you I don't know if you had a bold prediction for the TCU Georgia game, but do state it now if you do. I mean, I just I I do I, after watching TCU play, I'm st- what if what if they can do it again? What if? What if? I mean, I think that if, if what if Georgia comes out as as flat as they kind of did against Ohio state. They just can't get it together. Nothing's really working. Um, I think that TC, you could be in the same, if you, if you, TCU's defense 
showed a lot against Michigan, a lot that you wouldn't have expected. I think there, you know, everyone knows him for the Sonny Dykes offense and for how great Max Duggan is, the Heisman Trophy candidate, all of that. Um, but I mean, their defense played really good. A lot of opportunistic, uh, you know, takeaways, interceptions, uh, great pressure on on JJ McCarthy. If they could, if they can mix up that cocktail and give it to Stetson Bennett, and then you have some some well placed uh, well placed throws from from Duggan, and and if they get up by a couple scores, I don't know. I think it could happen. We mm-hmm. might be seeing you know a hypnotoad national champion. <laughs> but if gun to my head, I'm probably still picking Georgia. Right, and I think that would be the first true back-to-back champions since like 95 with Nebraska. I know they want to say USC back in 2003 and four, but they only played in one championship game. The other one, LSU actually played in the championship game. There was just a bunch of elitist writers that voted for USC instead. Didn't, didn't Bama win? Bama won, like 2009, 2010 right? or something. Oh, you're right. You're right. They did. Sorry. I just don't want to give them credit. Yeah. <laughs> because one of those was it. one of those they should have been just, playing in the national championship because that was our year. Yeah, uh, I guess I want to put those years out of my memory. That's yeah. I think that's what it is. Uh, but no, but uh, it, it would be um, yeah, I guess the first true back to back championship since well, I guess about ten years ago. Yeah, but yeah, I think it, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but anyway, um, be the first back to back championship champion in the playoff era. There we go. Yeah, there we go. I'll take that. Um, but what, um, there was, uh, like Notre Dame, us, or, you know, Southern, Southern South Carolina was a good game also. Um, anything else? Um, on the, on the Notre Dame note, somehow at the, at the LSU game, I was sitting next to like the only Notre Dame fan in the whole stadium. He was wearing his green Irish Jersey. And at the beginning of the game, he was yelling. He was like, you suck, Brian Kelly, like go home. <laughs> I was like, what? Like, he was obviously not a fan of either team. I think he was just a local guy that like needed something to do on a Saturday. So he showed up to heckle Brian Kelly. That's hilarious. I'm sure Brian Kelly is probably about to resign. Yeah, we were, we were way up there. So there was no way you could hear him, but they left after like the second quarter. I guess he got fed up of watching LSU score. <laughs> fed up of Brian Kelly's success. That's so ridiculous. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, I, I actually love the end of the game, the end of the uh, Mississippi State Illinois game. Like they, they had this big, huge lateral, and then Mississippi State had ended up taking their lateral and running it the other way. Yeah, for a touchdown to uh, probably do, you know, coach coach Mike Leach very proud. He was probably watching down from both. That was that was a good way to end the game for them. Um, pretty some other good games, too. Uh, well, I don't know. Penn State, Utah was good for a little bit. Then the, the Lions kind of took w- w- went away with it. Um, <clears throat> man. Uh, yeah. Bama, K-State. That was that was not even a game. Yeah, Bama came to play. Yeah. Yeah. There were a lot of questions about Bama going into that game, whether they were going to be, whether they were going to get up for a game like this. Um, And they clearly did. Bryce Young, as good as as ever. Will Anderson, as good as ever. Jameer Gibbs, as good as ever. Now they're both, they're all three onto the NFL. Good luck to them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Then you had uh, Clemson and Tennessee, the Battle of the Orange in the Orange Bowl. Uh, Tennessee fans showed out, of course. Uh, 
they they look good. They look like they did, you know, bef- you know, kind of in the the regular season when they were building all that momentum. Yeah, uh, Milton Milton looked good for them back there, right? Like he looked just as I don't want to say just as, but like there wasn't too much of a drop off uh, for him. So Tennessee looked great. They won that one, the Battle of the Orange. Man, uh, I thought it was interesting though because you could see Dabo with his quarterback, this this guy that he's like. Pretty high on, obviously. You could tell the kid was a true freshman. Oh yeah. yeah. But does does Kent does does Milton have a cannon or not or what? I mean that guy mm-hmm. can sling it. Yeah, he can. Uh that that was my my most impressive point of that game is just watching him throw the ball as you know, <laughs> there were multiple times he just hurled it down the field. It was um, like a dart. It was a dart, yeah. I mean, there's no he there. There's no even signs of a duck when he tries to go downfield. Mm-hmm. Um, Have y'all seen that clip of him throwing an orange like a hundred yards? Yeah. <laughs> um, and Klubnik, like you said, did, did look like a true freshman. Uh, but I mean, he, I don't know. He's still, I he's still a little bit more impressive than DJ. I think. I think they made the right choice. Look for him to look for him to you know do big things. I think probably in, before he's uh, before he leaves Clemson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. I do uh-huh. have one thought on Clemson, though. Mm. Uh, I watched the whole. I watched that whole game uh, pretty much, and you know, Will Shipley, the running back, came in after Trevor Etienne and was uh, I mean Travis Etienne, and uh, was um, kind of thought to be like the next the next great running back for Clemson was going to be even better than Etienne. Oh, he's so he's going to be so good. I'm just not that impressed with him. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I've just never caught him like in his greatness. Maybe I've just kind of missed all the games where he's really shown out. I think he's fine, but I've just never seen the, the, you know, like I, I'd take ETN any day. You know, Shipley, Shipley's okay. And he was very highly rated out of high school, but he's kind of like Christian McCaffrey light. Like he kind of tries to do the same type of running, like one burst and go, and then kind of like wheel routes out of the backfield, but he doesn't quite have the same like speed or elusiveness. Um, and, and maybe that's something that Dabo can develop and he'll be that prospect that he, he was looking like, but yeah, I agree. Um, they just don't have the same dynamic chemistry is Trevor Lawrence and ETN coming out. Like that was a unstoppable combo pretty much. And it almost makes you wonder if kind of the Clemson, not the ship has sailed for Clemson, but like they're, they're not running a dynasty really anymore. They're kind in of in decl- Clemson in decline. Yeah. And, and they're still a good team and they're, they're competing every year, but uh, they're not, they didn't win two national championships in four years. Like they did six years ago or something like that. Yeah. Um, so We'll see if Dabo can rebuild it. They still recruit well, um, but they got competition in the ACC. Like Florida State had a good year, um, and then North like Carolina. Wake Forest has been on the rise. North Carolina with Drake May, they could compete as well. So um, I guess we'll find out, and that'll be one of the questions going into into next season. Yeah, and uh, we'll start next season with the Cheese It Bowl winner FSU in the same stadium. I just I feel like it's such a weird. I guess you could say it's a coincidence, but um, I'll be back right back at that stadium. <laughs> so, Daniel, I don't know, man. I might try and go. So I'll meet you there. Sounds I'll, good. Uh, hopefully I can sit where that annoying Notre Dame fan was sitting. I came out of the seats. Anyway, hopefully I can sit where the cheese it guy was. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about that whole thing? Like there was <laughs> one point where they did the celebration. I'm like, you know what? Good. I'm glad they did that. 
Dude, I thought it was hilarious. I liked the big cheese it man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it was a bit. It was again. It was just a bit much with the cheese. Like I, I'm, I don't want to see a cheese it for a long time. Cheese in general for at least a week. But uh, <laughs> it was fun. Like they tackled the guy. I saw him like. I don't know. They were trying to revive the guy. <laughs> it was it was theatrics, um, but a good atmosphere. Was it a? Well, it was a one o'clock game, right, Daniel? Yeah, it yeah. Was one yeah, started at one. What uh, was it? Was it pretty uh, pretty lively? It was. The stadium wasn't full. Um, it was yeah. kind of strange. I tried to buy when I, we were looking at buying tickets. Like you couldn't even buy tickets for the upper deck, which is pretty it's the stadium is pretty similar to lsu in terms of like the layout um and but there were people up there but not a lot so the upper decks were almost completely empty but the lower bowls were, were full it was, it was divided pretty much half and half lsu and, and purdue and uh, purdue had a good contingent like i mentioned as did lsu so um a good turnout we got there kind of just before the game started we didn't have much time to explore the tailgating or whatever but um people seemed to be having a good time and uh yeah it, it was pretty not too bad getting like in and out of the stadium or the the city so overall a, a good game day experience i um, wish i would have brought more sunscreen i'm a little bit burned but mm. that's the only negative yeah that's right were you able to uh were you able to holler at uh scott Woodward or brian kelly on the sidelines no i saw him down there uh but I was looking for Drew Brees the whole game. I don't know if they showed him on TV to y'all or not. I was, was going to ask about him next. <laughs> I, I didn't see him at all. Um, we were, I was on the LSU sideline. I was trying to s- spot Drew, but there were just a, a bunch of blobs over there. Um, mm. There was kind of a, an elderly lady walking down the aisle at one point, and I pointed to my girlfriend. I was like, look, there's Drew Brees, because she was wearing a Drew Brees jersey. <laughs> um, but yeah, Purdue was like, they could put should have put him in at quarterback because they were really struggling. A 45-year-old Drew couldn't have done any worse than the guy they had in. He, right. he looked, I don't know if you felt this way, Scott, but I felt like he looked very strange and out of place on the sideline. Like he just, it just, I don't know. And I don't know if it's just because, you know, you're so used to seeing him either in pads or in like a hat, like being a player. Um, but I just like every time they, cause he was, he was always like standing right next to like the interim head coach, like whenever they were pl- like calling plays and stuff. And I was just like, this is weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a, just having a dad on the sideline. That's just, yeah. Kind of, uh, yeah. I don't know. Obviously didn't didn't seem to help much in their game planning i don't think so um do you hear like they they had to cancel like the books in new jersey because because of his what he had a kind he had a some sort of deal with uh some Uh game company and then like he's coaching in the game now all right well don't want to look like we're shaving points here so (laughs) but they you know they just ended the ended the partnership basically yeah and they took it off the board for a lot of books yeah yeah, didn't they? They put it back on though, right? Like once, once they severed ties with him. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Well, um, so yeah, good weekend all in all. Uh, good bowl season all in all. Just have that one big one left. Um, but in between all of this, all that's going on, um, our LSU basketball Tigers are sitting atop the NCC standings right now. Uh, 12 and one, uh, mostly due to the win since we last recorded, like right after we recorded, actually, uh, they, they uh, ended up beating Kentucky, excuse me, they ended up beating Arkansas 
60 to 57 at home in the PMAC. It was a close game, very close at the very end, but uh, it was pretty neck and neck the whole game. Um, I don't know if you guys were able to see it. I, I was able to watch like most of the second half and I don't know, it just had like vibes of the Kentucky game. What was it last year, or the year before when they got that win against Kentucky, but it's mm-hmm. like, they, like they could barely close it out, but it was, it was so good to get that win. Mm-hmm, it's right. the same thing. It's like, LSU, I feel like LSU should have closed us out and won by like seven, but they just, I don't know. It just stuff would not happen. Like they were throwing the ball away. They were loose with it. They were careless with passes um, or whatever the case, but they got the win, right? That's all that's important. Uh, Matt McMahon was probably, what was he like? I think he was the first LSU coach to win his SEC opener. Oh, there's one other guy. There's one other guy back in like the forties, I think, but yeah, that was good win for him. Obviously program winning. He was yelling in the PMAC after the game. Uh, you love to see that, but yeah, we're going to, we're going to play Kentucky here in about 10 or so minutes. So, I don't know, guys. I mean, we're—it's kind of like with the football team, right? It's like, hey, we—we're we're rebuilding. We don't think we're going to be horrible. We think we're going to be as good, maybe, as last year. Maybe go to the dance. But as it stands now, it's like we're overachieving again. Yeah, yeah I think mission for this year is just make the tournament. We don't really have the best team in the country, but uh, mm-hmm. like we showed against Arkansas, we can be spoiler to a lot of the top teams as long as we be consistent and get contribution across the board. Like Trey Hannibal came in uh, and did kind of his Tari Eason impression from last year, like the enforcer off the bench with a little bit of spark plug and the energy. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully he can continue that. And we, we transitioned a little bit. Adam Miller was running the point guard at the beginning of the season. And now uh, that's kind of fallen to um, justice Hill, as well as cam Hayes have been doing that with Adam Miller, like on the shooting guard. So we'll see whether Matt McMahon sticks with that strategy uh, going forward against Kentucky uh, and beyond, we got three SEC games in the next like seven calendar gate calendar days. So that'll be a, a big stretch, whether we kind of fall flat after a, a big opener or we can stay consistent on top because the SEC is deep this year, Alabama, Arkansas, Kentucky, Tennessee, obviously they all have real good teams. Uh, and so if we find ourselves in really like the upper third of the league, like that's a success and that'll um, help you going into the postseason. Yeah, I agree. I, I just, I just hope that um, you know we can continue. Like you said, we're. I almost, you know how, you know how once we beat Bama, um, in football, I think everyone was kind of like, okay, we're playing with house money. Like this is, this is pretty good. Like we did not expect this. I feel like we're already at that point with LSU basketball with just, <laughs> just with where we were like this time last year, um, or maybe not. I guess not this time last year, but when when Will Wade was fired, and, and with all the leaving and the transfers and the all that. Um, I mean, this is, I'm, I'm excited. I'm ready to, I'm ready to turn this game on and, and watch, you know, watch them play Kentucky. I'm ready to, to watch them for the rest of the season. Um, and we'll see what happens, but I'm not, you know, putting my hopes on, on LSU to be, uh, SEC champions or, or final four, you know, appearances or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Whoever said that they, LSU has a good chance to just kind of be a spoiler. I, I, I think they do. And if you just look at the games, it's like it was a close game. Same with uh, our our other bigger win against uh, Wake Forest, which was two points. Our one loss of the season, which actually should have – I don't know. It could have been a, a win or a loss if it had gone into overtime like it should have. But 
still, it was, I think if you look at LSU's scores, well, if you take away the New Orleans game, I think all of our other wins combined are still like less points than what LSU just won by in football. Like it's, it's a lot of two, three, four, five point games, which, you know, against Wake Forest and K-State and Arkansas, that's, I, that's fine. Who cares? But if you do it against, <laughs> what is it, East Tennessee State or whoever it is, Winthrop, you know, if you're, if you're winning against them by like seven points, you're like, All right, well, now, how do you really take an accurate pulse of this team? Uh, like you said, well, you don't really have high hopes because it's kind of hard to tell. Like if you didn't blown out Winthrop by 30 points, East Tennessee State by 30 points, and then beat Arkansas by two, you'd be like, I don't know, maybe these guys are something this year. It's just kind of it's too early to tell. Yeah. But, but yeah, we'll, see. we'll find out in like an hour or less than that, actually. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What else, guys? What did we miss? I think that's all. Um, enjoyed the podcast. Glad to be back for our fifth calendar year of podcasts, which is pretty wild. Yeah, um, that is pretty crazy. This is our, our, what, our fourth football season? 19, yeah. 20, 21, 22, yeah. Yeah. Because we wow. started in 2019, so uh, yeah, we're in, into year five now. We're about to get our, get our master's now. degree. <laughs> <laughs> right? I, I I might get one, too, just so I can go back to some of these games. I, I keep getting offers in the mail. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, man, I don't know. Uh, really quick question, just to go back to, to football. So with the two-lane win, like – I don't know. That to me just kind of stood out because I feel like it could have been a, a situation where if, if USC, like, cause you know, Tulane was in it, but eventually USC, it looked like, Oh, right, here's where they're going to pull away. They just, they never could, but if they had and Tulane had lost, you'd say, wow, this is a pretty good, you know, building point for, for Willie Fritz. But it's like this, they clearly were the better team. They look like it in the end. Uh, obviously USC had that one, gaff play where the guy fumbled the kickoff out of bounds and set them up at the two to like, you know, so the two lane could get a, a a safety. But I feel like them beating USC on a stage like that. I don't know. Do you guys like, could they really continue on from here and continue another like 11 win season, which is just phenomenal. But I'm wondering like, you know, could that help them? It's like start to pull guys in Louisiana. I know they're not going to, be competing against LSU against for everybody, but maybe they start to get some of these guys that maybe don't fit in at LSU or elsewhere. Well, Tulane, like their goal is to kind of just get like three-star recruits, like when they can try and recruit New Orleans on the guys that like LSU is passing up on. Cause there's a lot of talent on LSU that or a lot of talent in New Orleans and like the South Louisiana area that LSU can't take. You can't bring in 50 guys. Uh, and then along the ghost Gulf coast, especially Houston as well. Like there's a bazillion football players there you can recruit from. And like their ultimate target is basically be like the next Cincinnati where yeah. like you're getting probably nine, 10 wins almost every season. And you're not necessarily making the playoff, but you're known as the best team in your league. And you're the team that can beat a power five opponent whenever, like once or twice a year, maybe. And Cincinnati is going to the big 12 now. So maybe Tulane runs that top dog spot for a couple of years, which would be real big for the program. It's a good spot for them to be in. I think I'm excited. I'm excited. I, I, I always like rooting for Tulane just because 
you know, because a lot of times you'll end up seeing guys who played at LSU who maybe, you know, just didn't work out. Like you always think about Justin McMillan going to Tulane. I mean, mm. Justin, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, going to Tulane and playing quarterback there. So, you know, it's, it's fun to have. I, I love the, the, you know, G5 or I guess or power six and however you want to call it. Um, you know, that, that, those teams and I mean, it was a great win for them. Really exciting to watch. Good uniforms too. Oh yeah. That's the other thing. People, Tulane's uniforms and their Gumby mascot are very, <laughs> very great. I, I like them. <laughs> right on. Uh, hopefully you see, see more of them. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe they could make the playoff. I, anyone, maybe Willie Fritz can do it. Maybe put them in there right now. Just yeah. have them sub in for Georgia and see what happens. <laughs> think about it. If, if USC hadn't lost, what was it? That one, that game before this one, uh-huh. they would have been in the playoff. So mm-hmm. this basically says Tulane would have been okay in the playoff. They could have competed. Yep. Uh, would, they would have taken Ohio State spot. Ooh, beating Georgia. Mm. I don't know. Could they? Could they give that Michigan or TCU team a game? Probably. Uh, they could definitely give Michigan a game. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. They just you know don't play scared. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I guess that will pretty much do it for us guys. Unless y'all had something more to mention all right i think that'll do it for us uh tune in next week we're gonna have some some lsu basketball news for you maybe some uh some after the bowl game postseason lsu football news for you but uh definitely uh follow up with this uh football national championship game with georgia and tcu we'll have all that for you hopefully and more uh next time so until then stay safe stay tuned uh, start your near off right, and we'll talk to you next time on Talking Ticks.